Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me, Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist, on another episode of the Richard Listens podcast. I'm so thankful to you, all my listeners, who take time out of your day to fill your hearts and minds with content about how to improve your lives and help those in your lives. I am here to provide value by introducing you to tools and resources that might expand your sense of health and your capacity to take care of your own physical and mental health. Again, I'm a clinical psychologist with training in trauma as well as sports and performance strategies, which I integrate to help you awaken the hero within. Please keep your eyes out for my course on Listenable as well as my book, The Zero Method, being released later in 2021. Today, my guest is going to be Dr. Michelle Krauss. Dr. Michelle Krauss is a doctor of physical therapy with 13 years of clinical experience who has transitioned into a remote holistic practice working with women who struggle with stress, overwhelm, or anxiety by teaching them brain-focused techniques to calm their mind and body down. You see the overlap? So this is exciting. I help calm the nervous system down for men, and Dr. Krause helps women. So hopefully we can connect on how to help all of our clients, as well as maybe some of the similarities and differences in the nervous systems and the ways we help our clients. Without further ado, I'll be welcoming in Dr. Krause. Thank you all. Welcome, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Dr. Michelle Krause, joining us from Richmond, Virginia. How are you today? I'm great. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank Excited you. Excited to talk. Is this what professionals do? Squeeze in podcasts on their lunch hour? That Pretty what's much. Happening? <laughs> it's been the beauty of the pandemic, connecting with professionals, with guests from across the world using technology. So thank you for figuring out the time zones. I've finally gotten used to how to schedule guests in Australia. Oh, that's impressive. That's- <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you. And I've been to a physical therapist myself out of college when I had a back injury. And so often we use physical therapy to build strength and flexibility. But I'm seeing in your way of operating that you also incorporate the mind-body, the stress connection. Tell me a little bit more about how you arrived at your approach and how you help your clients. Absolutely. So I've been a licensed physical therapist for 13 years, and I practice primarily in the orthopedic outpatient realm, as you said, focusing on post-acute injury or surgery with strength, flexibility, and return to functional activities. But then you start to get the chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, chronic problems that come in. And over time, I started to really notice that there was a strong emotional component to this pain that we could do the best stretches, the best strengthening, they could have the best protocol in the world and really nothing was moving the dial for them. And there, in my opinion, just had to be something more. So I saw that going on on one hand. And then on the other hand, I think a lot of us who kind of get into the non-traditional route sort of have our own story. So I had a little bit of my own health challenges and ended up going down the functional medicine route and finding, you know, relief and changing how I was eating, lifestyle management, you know, things that just, I feel like haven't been taught to a lot of people. We've just in this hyperproductive go, go, go society. And we get really surprised when we hit like mid thirties and we're like, wait a second, it's not working so well anymore. So kind of the synthesis of what I was seeing professionally and personally led me down the road to working more specifically with the nervous system. 
system because it's the fastest system in the body, right? It's our electrical system. And really, this is a little shameful to admit, but as an orthopedic therapist at first, I really thought, oh, I just do musculoskeletal. I neglected the whole integration of the whole body. And it really is the whole body. I sort of thought is neuro PT as your post-stroke or TBI. And true, that's your very, very heavy neuro population, but everybody has a nervous system and we should be using it. So I started to learn more about the nervous system and how to specifically work with each client to see where in their brain and body things had kind of gotten locked up, you know, because one of uh, my favorites quote is the body's under no obligation to make any sense to you. You know, we see it in black and white and there are so many shades of gray with what's going on in the body and what might've gotten locked into your wiring patterns at one point. It's going to be different from somebody else. And so we can use the nervous system to really figure out what needs to be corrected and work with that and to calm it down because the brain is always doing what it's doing to keep you safe. It may not make logical sense when you look at it from the outside, but to your body, that is the safest way to act at this point. And if it's not serving you well in your life, then we need to work to restore and train it and change it so that you can get back to having the life that you want to have and not being so overwhelmed. I think you said so much right in there, right? Because this is where attachment and trauma psychology, you know, intersect where how you individually perceived an event in your life or actual experiences that you went through that could have been, you know, upsetting or when you were experiencing at a younger age distress and didn't have the tools or weren't allowed to express it can greatly impact the way you hold stress. Yes, it's so powerful. It's just really important not to try and judge yourself because, you know, there's so much self-judgment about what you did or why you did it or this and that. It's just, I think as people get more curious about why they're doing or how they're doing and move to work to have the tools to kind of repair that and move forward, that's when you really see these great changes. That's what I love. I love working on the specific motor patterns that people need. And then also like dropping down into the fundamentals of breathing and lymphatic drainage. Those are the big ones that I work with because my little phrase is, you know, you can go for several weeks without eating. You can go for a couple of days without drinking, but you can only go for a couple of minutes without oxygen. So breath is the fundamental of the entire body. We do not breathe well as a modern society at all. Uh, a lot of people breathe through their mouths. A lot of most people breathe through their upper chest and they don't engage their diaphragm at all. And these really change the biomechanics, the biochemistry of the body over time. And again, can lead to that nervous system, hyper or hypo dysregulation. And so when you start to do the foundationals of better breath work, and then start to figure out maybe where you're having difficulty engaging your parts of the breath, that's when you can really narrow it down and focus it. And that's where I guess my passion is the bio-individuality. You know, we're all humans. We kind of all come with this same foundational blueprint to a sense, but then it's our experience through life, you know, that integration of the environment and our experiences over time that just really make paths diverge and trying to figure out how to bring that back into line. Yeah. So how did you arrive at working with women? Was it your own experience? I mean, did you notice something in the way that women hold or process stress physiologically? So I feel that I'm at the age of working women with young to middle school type children. 
are, are kind of where my peer group's at right now. And so as my friends started to go through that and, you know, it just went from the stress of having a career to having a partner, to having the kids, to, I just saw the plate, like just add, 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 add up. And, you know, they were trying to serve to the highest extent in all those areas. And I saw them starting to put themselves at the bottom. And then that foundation started to crumble, right? So then the partnerships became problematic. Then the children started to act up, you know, and it's kind of like, I saw these women are coming to me and verbalizing just a lot of stress around all these different issues. And I like to see patterns. So kind of as I kept interacting with people, I noticed that nobody seemed to be really taking the time to take care of themselves. And you've got the analogy you can use of the airplane. You know, they always tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before you take care of anybody else. So that's what I like to use with these women. Like it's not selfish to take time from your partnership, to take time from your, you know, children, to take time from your career. You are going to be so much better at all of that. If you take a little bit of this time to work on. That's the key paradox, right? The S word, right? Like I was thinking about this morning, you know, about like being selfish, you know, and this idea that it's like so many things that we do to be more giving on one hand like if you look at the frame of the 20 year old college graduate like there is a lot i want to tell him about giving to others giving to greater to groups giving to those less fortunate learning to be caring and attentive whether it be people you're dating or your friend group or your neighbors right when that becomes your survival like you said you're caring so much to maintain a relationship and then these other individuals naming children that are dependent upon you for survival then that becomes identity. And so selfish becomes, well, you're neglecting those other identities and the roles aren't clear anymore. When women are expecting themselves to be at the forefront of innovation in the boardroom, it's no longer, right? In, in a way, the role simplification eliminated stress. But now as we expand our sense of selves into you know, wanting to be on the forefront How do we keep that balance going? How do you keep that S word being healthy? Exactly. And, you know, again, skills that were not taught to many generations. You know, I also really want to connect with that early 20s group because I just feel like if we can teach you these skills early on before you start into these life events, you're going to be in such better shape, you know, and it's not to say you can't course correct. You can absolutely course correct at any point. I strongly believe that the body wants to heal and is able to heal. You just always have to find the right inputs, but you know, early intervention is always best. Yes, absolutely. Right. Because it's really the frame you hold around it. If you feel that taking time for your self-care, your breathing, whatever you do to slow your body down and settle is actually better for all your relationships. That's a key reframe as opposed to being something that you feel shame or like somehow that it's not okay to be doing this. And one of the big key practices for me is to make whatever the client needs to work on accessible to them. You know, I just was speaking with someone this morning who was struggling through a ton of stuff. And so I said, are you doing breath work? And she said, yes, for an hour a day. And I was like, that's a huge commitment. That's a lot. I don't really ask my folks to do that much because we get specific, you know? And so again, that's the beauty of the bio-individuality. When you figure out what the body needs, you don't have to load it for this long period of time. I'm going to get you to do these three drills. I'd like you to work on them every couple hours and it should take maybe a couple minutes, you know? And so again, that's a little bit of a change because you do have to try 
and put it into your day, but it's not a huge time crunch as much as like, I'm not telling you to go on a silent retreat meditation, like, you know, for an hour every day. If you can do that, cool. But, you know, most of us do not have access. To I just led a men's retreat last weekend. It was phenomenal. It was 40 hours off the grid, no phones. <gasps> and it was everybody in the same container no watch, no phone. It was phenomenal. But, you know, you could see that even 40 hours is a tremendous commitment. It took months of planning and months of effort. So, right, that's not going to be doable more than once or twice a year for most really busy individuals. Exactly. So when you say practices and tools, what are some that can be used when you are highly activated a lot of the time, you know, when you can't take time off? Again, my favorite is to use the breath and the principles of the breath to do what you need. So when you do an inhalation, you are stimulating the sympathetic nervous system. So if you were actually feeling really tired and you had a big meeting and you need some energy, that's when doing some quick inhales and exhales, like deep inhales is really good because that's going to wake up your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight. It's going to get those hormones going. It's going to give you the energy that you need. Now, if you're in the opposite and you're kind of spiraling out of control and you just, your mind's racing and you can't get yourself to calm down, that's when you want to use your exhalation because that is going to unlock the parasympathetic nervous system or your rest and digest nervous system. And the principle with that is you always want your inhale to be shorter than your exhale when you're focusing on the parasympathetic to calm yourself down. A lot of times you'll see breath work out there. There's a real popular one called four, seven, eight. So you inhale for four, hold for seven, and you exhale for eight. What I have seen in highly anxious people is that you're not always able to hit those numbers. Like if you're really, really in fight or flight and you're trying to calm yourself down, it might be too scary for your body to do even a four second inhale. You might have to drop it off. So I really have just kind of even simplified it a little bit more and said, if you can just remember to make your exhale twice as long as your inhale, that's going to help calm and soothe you down. And if you can just sit someplace and do that for a minute, the research will show that all you need is a minute to get those nervous systems to activate and switch that hormonal cascade. All you need is a minute. All you need is a minute. I mean, if you're really amped up, it would work better if you had more time to dedicate to it, you know, five to 10 minutes would be fabulous. But if you're really on edge and you just don't feel like you have anything, it really can help just a minute. It just switches that physiological system. Right. When your clients come to you, are they open to seeing their, like you mentioned, you know, the the chronic pain or chronic back pain, right? I myself, right? When I worked for the county in crisis response, like always was having back pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are they open to seeing their relationship in the mind body or is there resistance there in letting go of that paradigm? I think in the way that I practice now, people understand that they're coming to me for outside of the traditional box type of treatment, because I actually practice under a health coach license with this because prevention and wellness is not covered by physical therapy, which is very sad to say, but it's the truth. So in order to sort of use the skills that I had, but dive deeper, that's the license that I hold under. So, you know, people are not coming to me for traditional therapy. If they need the strength and stability for the low back, I will refer them to someone local that I will know, and then they can come to me to kind of integrate the rest of it. I think this is probably very similar to you. When you can share the stories that you've seen, people become more willing to listen. You know, I had one client when I was in the traditional setting and she came to me and it was low back pain and she was 
in a toxic job situation, an abusive boss. She was the caretaker for her special needs son. She was also the family member who took care of the entire extended family. So somebody needs to get out of jail. She was the one that was called. I mean, this woman had on a a weekly basis were just unbelievable. And we couldn't get this back to get calmed down or to do anything. And, you know, got to the point where I was like, ethically, I really can't keep treating you in this setting. There's a lot of other things I think could help with this. And, you know, we had talked about our job and trying to do something, but it just wasn't really realistic for her at that point. So we were to the point where I was going to discharge her and she came in on day discharge, huge, beautiful smile on her face. And I looked at her and I said, well, what happened? What did we figure out? What worked? And she's like, I changed jobs. I have no back pain. So I've got a few stories like that. When you start to say that and you have those to share, people start to resonate with that a little bit and become more open. Well, so much, there is an environmental factor to stress, right? It's Mm -hmm. not purely everything, right? We know I once had a therapist tell me that there's like a thousand people every day, like crossing from West Coast to East Coast, like just trying to use geography. They're trying to do with their stress, right? Because there's something to when you move someplace new the first six months, new faces, new places, new grocery stores. But my experience is the relationships find you (laughs) if you don't change the patterns. But a job that could be very stressful. When I went from crisis response, when I went from that, it wasn't just the physical environment of being on skid row which was tense, which was constant survival mode. There was no space to treat the whole person, whether because they were so locked in survival, I couldn't figure out. It was too much to change. There were those that were able to dive a little bit deeper, but most often than not, you were putting out the fires for survival. And so that feeling of always being in that with your clients led to tremendous burnout and just trying to take responsibility for it. It's impossible. You cannot win your environment. No, you can't. Yeah. And as a practitioner on the practitioner side, you know, that's a skill set that they don't teach us in, in school. And I don't know that it's actually a natural thing. Like if you're interacting with somebody just to be able to be like, okay, I'm done with that and move on. You know, there's energy that's been exchanged and that that is going to stay and linger. And that's a different conversation, but for the, you know, clinicians, practitioners out there, it's an important one to have or be aware of. There's a lot there. I did get connected with a network that sends me physicians from a healthcare system. In January and February, I was thinking about, I got stationed in Cedar sinai Hospital here to help the doctors who were treating COVID patients and weren't getting any break. They realized that there was no no way they were going to abandon their post to go care for themselves because that's not in the DNA and that's not how someone who's trained to care for others, you know, probably is not going to step off the battlefield as long as they're called. I really was proud to be there for their nervous systems, but I think it's something that's lacking. You're right. You said like, I don't know why I learned in Canada, orthodontists get six months of training in like business. We don't get business training in the States and we don't get the self-care. I mean, it's talked about, but a lot of the stuff that I'm writing right now is about correcting. What does this self-care mean? Is it checking a box? Is it, I went to the gym today? It's this recognition, like you said, that even as you try to keep your interaction short or cut off from the emotional content, it stays with you. Like Mm -hmm. we feel, we intuit. There's other parts of us that are sensing what's going on, you know, and more and more the physical ailments that clients are bringing to their doctors are they're suffering. You're getting their emotional pain as well. Yeah. The stress starts to manifest in the physical, you know, and it's kind of the body whispers for a long time. And then when we don't listen to the whispers and then we ignore, then it starts to scream. And, you know, I would love to be able to help everybody get to the point where they can hear the whispers. Cause you know, a lot of people 
just shut out their body. They just stop listening to their body. We're so mind-centered focused in our society. They're not listening to the subtle cues that their body's giving them. And then all of a sudden they don't understand why it's screaming at them. And it's like, well, it has been giving you some nice warning signs all along. You just chose to hit the override button. Keep pressing that gas pedal. (laughs) We have enough knowledge. My clients will tell me what's going on. And I'm like, wow, you are totally overwhelmed. Like you said, you're carrying your family's intergenerational trauma story. You're carrying the burden on your back and they'll go, but I know what to do. They spend, they'll, they'll give me the answer. I know I just need to think positive. I need to stay positive. And they give me the thought answer. And, and part of me has been trained as well. I'm like, well, yes, but it's not that simple because what's happening to you when you're just trying to think positive and keep taking that burden on your back is your suffering. Exactly. Well, I got his Dr. David Hopkins book and theories. Have you heard of him? I have not. It's called levels of consciousness and it deals with the frequency of emotion. So when you're in shame or guilt, it's the lowest frequency. And then anger is actually a higher frequency than shame or guilt. And, you know, it goes to peace. I'm, I'm butchering this right now, but it keeps going up. And so what I came to realize is that when you are in a place that you're struggling and you're told think positive or do this, and it doesn't feel authentic to say, I am beautiful. I am worthy. You feel like you're lying to yourself. So I've been really interested in figuring out how to help people kind of scale up that a little bit. You know, where are we stuck at right now? And how can we get to that next level? Because you'll probably believe the next level. You could probably say something in your head if you want to be just using your head. That's going to help you start to move up and move into the action, you know, because it's like the phrase I use a lot too is a lot of people know better, but they don't do better right? Like it sounds like they could write their own plan of care. You're like, I could not have written a better plan of care, A plus work. But then there's that lack of action, you know, that distrust with themselves. And that's where I think the body comes into play. Right. And that's one of the principles behind, I work from somatic experience perspective and EMDR, right? Is asking clients, okay, we figured out if we were to tear apart that story that you just told me about all the responsibility and all that, what's the belief that you're left? And usually at the core, there's some belief of, right, I'm responsible. There's something negative. Like you said, there's a shame belief or a guilt belief or something around control that's been conditioned. And so, you know, we'll ask clients, well, what's a more hopeful belief that you'd like to move toward? Well, they're not going to feel that at that moment. Obviously, it's tuned down. So the idea of spending some time processing, well, what might it look like if you were to feel a more, a healthier sense of control that you could let go of a degree of control or that you're worth the time? If that's really the blockage of what's stopping you from getting to the gym for 30 minutes, three times a week or whatever, training for a marathon is I'm not worth my family. It's my husband. It's my kids. Who's going to take care of it? We have to look and it's going to take time. But we need to get them to agree that we're going to start looking at that belief. And there has to be admission that that's really what we're trying to allow into our body, that we're making it okay to believe I'm worth it to go take that time for whatever it is that would help me to feel good. Even in the future, even if I don't see it, I just see it only as a glimpse Yep. or I got yep. an idea in the past, right? Sometimes I'll ask my clients who don't know what they might do for fun. What do, you, what do you notice when you drive around? Is there something you've seen that you've said, I wish I could do that? Is there something you've passed by and thought, I'd love to do that someday? Or what's something you did when you were younger that you stopped doing because you became so responsible, so adult? Yes. It's amazing how many people, when you try and ask somebody, when you're tapping into like fun and play, when you ask them like, what brings you joy or what would you like to do? How many people have a locked that from their 
thought process. A lot of times I like to start with something like that. Let's just do one thing this week. That's just really fun and joyful for you and blank faces, blank stares. I don't know, you know, cause they've self-sacrificed and over-served and they left no space for themselves. So it's really quite powerful to try and get somebody to tap in. Like you said, like, all right, when you were a kid, what was your favorite thing to do? Like, And play is parasympathetic, right? For all our listeners mm-hmm. that don't who are like, who has time for that? And that's silly and that's goofy. And why should I do that? Right. All the blocks are there, but the play taps you back into the sense of connectedness. And when you're connected and playing, right, how connected are you to your stress? It melts away. So how do you help these busy, responsible, hardworking? They just came off a year and a half of homeschooling their kids due to COVID. How do you help them get back into play? How do you welcome the space back? Just really working with them to get in touch with what they like to do. And a lot of times with working mothers, it can be a little bit easier because you can really say, okay, let's take anything electronic off the plate here. And what did you like to do? And why don't we work that into doing that? Why don't you try that with your child? I'm old enough that we used to play jacks. You remember the bouncing ball? And the j- I used to play that while waiting for dance recitals. That was our backstage thing. So, you know, I'm like, why don't you do something with like that? I Somehow okay, jacks even- tied to the hopscotch or did they just happen on the same playground? Probably that all that stuff happened, you know, outside in the playground. Yep, exactly. And little things like that try because some of my fun memories are playing kickball with my grandmother, like right next to her condo with like a few other kids when we'd go up to visit, you know, and it was just, we pulled a ball out and we did, we did the chalk and everything like that. And that's a fond childhood memory. So you just never know what kids may think are really cool that they haven't been exposed to. So it's nice, especially with um, women who do have a family, because then it's an easier entry point because they don't feel like they're giving up everything, right? They are still spending time with their kids and they're getting to do something they like. And then pretty quickly, they see how that's such an authentic interaction, you know, and you watch the kids having fun and you're having fun. And it's just, it's a really powerful moment that they can have. Yeah. For us in the pandemic, it was taking hikes and my electronic addiction. 12 year old boy, you know, he could really track the dog. He really would be into that. And so that Uh, would take the pressure off like policing him. Mm -hmm. And I could take my moments to kind of look in the views and the clouds. And and so everyone was having their own experience while moving. That is my favorite recommendation is trying to get people into nature because it does so much for the nervous system to downregulate it. That was one of the bright spots of the pandemic. You know, it's been such a challenging 19 months. I don't know. It seems like it's going on forever now, but it's been very challenging. And I acknowledge that, but some of the bright spots of being just simplified in our life is that I've heard more and more people return to doing things outdoors and doing out things outdoors as a family, which is really fun to hear too. That's a really good point. Cause when you can integrate your responsibility into your play or integrate your play into your responsibility. Yep. You know, I've seen a lot of trainers in conferences I go to, right? Instead of just making a coffee break, right? Putting some music on, encouraging dance in the room, right? Even just yep. seeing your trainer or some other person in the room moving and yep. being a little goofy, it helps you to relate to them very differently than just, oh, they're trying to show how much knowledge they have or they're claiming they're better than me or whatever else we do. You know, they're wearing nicer clothes than I, whatever we're doing yeah. to 
feel separate. That to me has been some of the beauty of technology is that, you know, those of us who do have advanced academic degrees, we're so used to coming off as like an expert and this and that. And it's just like, sure, that's one component of our personality, but we are a person and it is nicer to see the whole person and and really understand that like, okay, that information portion is just a, a piece of them and, you know, they can use that, but then it's the rest of it that really, you know, brings out the beauty of the individual. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I was so thankful. There were two or three people that were connected to me professionally that I was able to send to this retreat, whether I just met them on the street or at a conference, or I had worked with them at one point in time and seeing them in nature, in a group setting, in a lot of ways, I saw more growth in weekend than I thought we could have ever accomplished in a private practice setting. And I was blown away. I was like, it really just awoken this desire for me, right, to provide more because it allowed me to see them in this playful state. It allowed me to see them, you know, especially when so many of our client experiences, right? They haven't been allowed to leave their homes. They haven't been allowed to go back to the things that they did that helped them to be normal. I think there's a lot of loss going on. There's a lot of, right, like redefining. If you're still in just survival mode, it's like there must be layers have been stripped away of where is the play? Where will you find play? How do you rediscover your sense of self? And, you know, you have to get really creative because we continue to be in a very different world and it just continues to evolve. You know, I think a lot of us, we're super hopeful that, you know, the situation get contained and life just sort of shifts back to normal. And, you know, it's the first time in my life there's ever been a global situation that, you know, this has universally impacted. Every single person has been impacted, you know, We've got stories all over the place, but nobody can say through 2020 and 2021 that their life has not fundamentally changed, you know, and again, learning the skills and having the skill set to understand it's okay. And accept the grief that you do feel because we are all grieving the lives that we lost and the Mm -hmm. opportunities that we lost, but we are all still here and we're still moving forward and finding ways to connect and humanity is super creative. And I'm very optimistic that while it's not comfortable, we will get through this. Yeah. And super resilient. So before we get to you, where else we can find your work and how women out there, you only help women? Currently, yes. I mean, I'm open to speaking with anyone. So if you are a male and you wish to speak with me, please reach out. I love connecting to people. Is there another tip or skill that we could leave our listeners with today? Or is it just different types of breathing and breath work? Do a breathing technique. And then the other big component in the body that I love to work with is the lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system is your toxic drainage system. And when you do think about how much we sit in modern society, and then especially over the last 18, 19 months, the big portals are like at your groin area. And if we're sitting, those are compressed all day long. And then if we're over the computer, there's big portals around your clavicles that aren't getting moved. And it does not have a activation naturally. It relies on you using your muscles to get this fluid to move. So you can simply do heel drops where you just stand and raise up on your toes and then just drop your heels down, but like really drop it so that you're getting the body to kind of rock. And that'll get the lymph system to drain a little bit. So just do that 10 or 20 times. A dry brush is a very pretty affordable tool for people to get. And you can do a dry brush technique where you work from your legs. You're always going towards your heart, right? So the lymphatic system is flowing towards the heart. Like a paintbrush? You could use the 
paintbrush, but it's a little bit stiffer, firmer bristle than that. Mm -hmm. And you can just use your hands. You could simply just run your hands up your leg. Lymphatic system is a very fragile system. So you want to think if you ever do any sort of work, you apply pressure like a feather to, this is weird, but like a nickel. You don't want to get in there and like dig down. It's very light stimulation. And you just up the arm towards the heart. So doing some simple techniques like that, again, pretty quick, doesn't take too long. And it starts to get everything out of your body that you don't want stuck in, which can really help with the fatigue situation or any of the abdominal like IBS, constipation type issues. A lot of those folks I find, I just haven't been getting their lymphatic system to move very well. That's interesting. It's so fascinating. I always tell a lot of my clients, I did a study once at the local hospital. It was eight weeks of massage and then eight weeks of gentle touch. I just, in my head, I went in just like, there's no way, like, you know, I'm just going for the massage portion. There's no way that the gentle touch will have the same benefit. And without fail, barely the touch of a feather, I'd be asleep within seconds and calmer coming out. Exactly. I had a big resistance to that too with my background. And it's really just been through years of experience that I've realized less is more most of the time. That's kind of my principle, you know, because that just... Your body doesn't need you to pound on it. Life is pounding on you enough. To me, I see that play out in all the different body systems. Wow. So this sounds like pretty good tools for anyone who's been sitting on Zoom a lot or just not getting enough movement. So one of the higher level ways you can do lymphatic drainage is rebounding, which is basically jumping on a trampoline. So again, that can incorporate play into it. So, you know, it kind of all comes full circle. This is why Tony Robbins jumps on a mini trampoline in the morning. It is. Yeah. Lymphatic drainage. I thought it was more for the play. What if you don't have a trampoline? So those heel drops, that's going to mimic your, your trampoline without actually having to go get a mini drink. And what happens when we're not draining the lymph nodes? So they're going to get stuck. And then all those toxins are going to get in your body and they'll kind of go to whatever area you're sort of genetically weakest, right? So they could start getting clogged up in the liver. They could start getting clogged up in the gallbladder and the small intestines. And then that's when you start having those visible symptoms manifest and the diseases manifest. So it's really important to move that system. So jump on a trampoline. Take away breathing breaks. (laughs) And the breathing also moves the lymphatic system. So that's another nice interplay. That's fascinating. So it's usually two for one of me. I don't usually just do like one thing, but my things usually have multi-purposes. (laughs) So clients are coming in your office and jumping in one room and breathing in the next room. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Sounds like a fun place to visit. Yes. And how's the openness to holistic care over there in Virginia? It's good. We have a lot of different clinics and there's a little small tight network in here. I think that it's getting bigger and bigger, you know, especially again, talking about the plus side of technology, being able to connect and see other people. I actually moved up to Virginia four years ago and ended up meeting my closest friends through Instagram, you know, which seems bananas these days, but I mean, it's how I saw, oh, okay, these are the places to go and things to do. And then we were able to connect in real life and, you know, form those relationships. I'm laughing because I have an opportunity this week to get four people together who I've met only one or two of them solely online. It's like a virtual play date turn real. Like exactly. Exactly. 
the whole right. new world we live in. That's right. But it's beautiful. Like we've been able to maintain some sort of connectivity across the country. Exactly. That's awesome. All through emoticons or whatever they are. <laughs> like exactly. Thank you so much for giving your lunch hour. I hope you're going to get time for your self-care before you go back to caring for others. So tell our guests more how they can find you, learn more about your work and, and about some of the concepts that you are teaching and sharing, uh, you know, if they want to start practicing or just begin to, even if they're just nudging out, they realize when they're listening to this podcast that they're a little bit stressed and needs tips to time. Absolutely. So I am active on Instagram at I am Dr. Michelle Krause. So I put my content and stories and in my link tree, I have the click bio. I have a free consultation call. So I'm a big connector. I think that when you work with a practitioner, you should always feel comfortable with them. And so I offer a free consultation to people to connect, to see if if we're a good fit, if the services I have would be a good fit. You know, again, I'm trying to help people feel safe and calm. I I try to be very accessible to people. I love to talk and I love to connect. So come play with me on Instagram and we'll see what we can do for you. I'm finding that I'm more of a IG TV, like the videos, because I'm just a talker. I just, I talk. And I've also, when we were sort of talking earlier about, you know, like intuitive stuff, I was working with somebody and she's like, when you speak, you're very intuitive. When you write, you become academic. So I'm trying to learn to use my voice more and be me, not academic Dr. Michelle all the time. Thank That's you for just pointing that out. Yes, I'm trying to become much more playful. I always, you know, tell the story that five years ago when I left Skid Row, my co-host who invited me to start a podcast, he is a wonderful gentleman, a mentor, quadriplegic. And so, and yet he was just so comfortable sitting there and I would be frozen, you know, with the don't call on me, or I have to give the perfect answer, like sweating. And after the show, we would walk over and get some pancakes at Denny's and he'd say, so Dr. Richard, how come you only spoke for three minutes? It was the most gentle, loving feedback system, which is really important, by the way, as well, I think when you want to try something new, that there was constant feedback, but it was never critical. It was never hard. And it kept me going each week when people were like, why'd you start this? Well, it was like, I liked it. It was a challenge each week. Okay, I'm going to work on changing my vocal tone or just telling a joke or I'm going to let myself laugh. And when it's outdoors, again, I'm a huge proponent of anything you can do outdoors. Like you get to start adding the layers. When we start thinking outside the box, there's a lot more we have access to, you know, than you know, the people I think who come to us are very stuck in that box. And I, I mean, I've been there. I felt that it's, it's not a way I want anybody to live. So I love being able to help people kind of just blow that box open. Right. And especially when we're academic and professional, right? Like you said, we're being pushed more and more indoors in the smaller spaces. And Peter Levine in Somatic Experience causes this, the social orientation system. Being outdoors, being able to take a look at the squirrel in the tree or notice the baby carriage across the street or notice the smile on the bus driver's face or the clerk that hands you your coffee and tracking everything about their face and their eyes, right? Being able to tap into what's happening internally it's really important. It, it creates aliveness, right? Yep, creates same. more breath, more capacity. More fullness. Well, Dr. Michelle, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, out of your week, for doing the work you do, for helping to navigate stress response, for showing women that they do not just need to carry stress, pain, and responsibility, that there's another way and that they matter. I hope that my male clients will be taking equal responsibility for their mental and physical health. Exactly, exactly. 
exactly. Any other way that our clients can get a hold of you? They can reach out directly to me, Michelle at drmichellekraus.com for email. Thank you, Dr. Richard, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you again to Doctor of Physical Therapy, Michelle Krause out of Richmond, Virginia. Check her out on Instagram. I am Dr. Michelle Krause. And that was fascinating talking about stress and focus techniques, calming your body, your lymph system, your sympathetic nervous system, how to get both activated and awake, which sometimes I need because I'm sleepy and hard to get moving in the morning or to calm down and settle. I thank you all for listening. It's my pleasure. I have gratitude to all of you. If you or someone you know needs care or is struggling emotionally, please reach out to me, richardlistens.com or on Instagram at richardlistens. This is Richard and I'm out. 